0: You're listening to an EG Cities Live podcast. I'm Tim Burke, EG's Deputy Editor. You're about to hear a panel discussion held at our recent breakfast briefing in Leeds with the support of Savills, Shoesmiths and MEPC's Wellington Place. Over an hour-long discussion, our guests explored the future of the Northern Powerhouse, the outlook for levelling up in an increasingly uncertain economic climate and the need to regenerate our cities with respect. Joining me on stage were Claire Bailey, Director in the Commercial Research Team at Savills, Angela Barnacle, Chief Officer for Asset Management and Regeneration at Leeds City Council, Tori Critchley, Development Director for Innovation at the Leeds Teaching Hospitals NHS Trust, Nazreen Karim, Founder and Director of Platinum Partnership Solicitors and the BAME Business Committee Chair at West and North Yorkshire Chamber of Commerce, and Matt Lonergan, Partner at Shoesmiths. After a short video in which MEPC's Paul Pavia talked about the need to develop a future for Leeds without losing sight of its history, I asked Angela about the council's views on heritage and its importance in the built environment.
1: Angela, I wonder if I could ask you to, to, to kick us off with, I guess, some thoughts on what we've just seen in that video. There, there, was, there was a strong theme there of building something new but without losing that link to heritage. Um, both around buildings themselves within the city, but also I, I, I feel a, a kind of acknowledgement of the importance of its, its history. How does that tie in to, um, to the Council's vision for regeneration in, in Leeds?
2: Thank you, and I suppose really, thank, to start with, thank you for your interest. I mean, it's really important to us that you've recognised that Leeds has been really good at reinvention and reimagining itself instead of just replacing itself year after year. Um, and I think that accolade that Leeds has more listed buildings than anywhere outside of London is something that we are hugely um, privileged and you know respect that custodianship that we've got. And I think that's what gives us our unique character. If you think about Victoria Quarter, or you think about the Cuthbro- Broderick buildings in Leeds, or you know your beautiful Gilbert Spot- Scott building, etc., it's been really important to us as we look towards the future that we. Don't lose our uniqueness and that leads feels uniquely different but very welcoming
1: those, um, those heritage buildings I mean that creates an opportunity but a challenge as well to work around right when you're, when you're talking about these huge regeneration schemes
2: I think it's an opportunity isn't it I mean I mean regeneration itself is a challenge isn't it because we're going through that next reimagining about repurposing it and what does the future need um, we're very experienced at it. This room is very experienced at reimagining and dealing with challenges. I think just respecting our heritage is just a core fundamental about how we keep schemes unique and purposeful. And yes, there will be a challenge, but I think we can't forget to see the value in that,
1: what that challenge brings us as well. Nazreen, we... um so that we don't simply dwell on, um, dwell on Leeds today. Before the event, we were talking about um, a lot of the work going on in Bradford, and obviously there are there are huge projects there in the in the city centre that that can transform that area. Maybe tell us a little about what you're seeing take place um, take place within Bradford specifically.
3: Okay, I, j- I just want to start off by saying that sometimes when we talk about the Northern Powerhouse or the Leeds City Region, Bradford is usually forgotten, and we can't forget that Bradford has one of the biggest of, um, local authorities in the UK, fifth. Further- fifth or the sixth largest, and contributes um, a massive amount to the economy. Um, I feel as though Bradford is maybe 20 or 30 years behind Leeds. I think when the textile trade disappeared, it wasn't reinvented. Um, Over the last year or so, and especially I think with winning the City of Culture bid, there is a massive interest in in Bradford now. We have um, lots and lots of challenges. But there, um, there's work being done in the city centre, we've got uh, the Esholt development, we've got um, City Village, we have plans to transform Oddsall Stadium, we have a Darley Street market. So there's lots happening in Bradford to try to, I suppose, to reinvigorate the economy and try to bring business back. But we also have the challenges of not having really good transport links, but public transport I was saying earlier on today that when I caught the train at 737 a.m. and arriving at the station when the train was packed, a handful of people got off. And I stood there thinking, well, why isn't anybody else getting off in Bradford? And as we got to Podsey, and new Podsey, lots, pe- lots more people lots more people go on the train because Leeds is the destination. Yeah. But you know, we want Bradford to be what it was 40-50 years ago and that means um, inward investment, it means upskilling. It means enterprise, and also can't forget you, Leeds people. That um, Bradford is the second most entrepreneurial city in in the UK, and it has the youngest population. So we have lots of skills, we have lots of talent there, but we need to really think about what our future strategy is, and how we're going to to reach our destination. And once again, be bigger and better than Leeds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: is it moving? Are things moving quickly enough? We spoke about the planning system as a. Um, potential stumbling block to some of these initiatives just given the level of bureaucracy that it takes to get schemes to um, yeah, I, I through think that it's, process
3: yeah. so from speaking to my clients, lots of my clients are property investors, dev- developers and one of the biggest frustrations is the level of bureaucracy and, and I know it isn't just um, Bradford council, it's councils up and down the country the, the short staff deadlines whatever else but it's a massive stumbling block so projects are put on hold um, government changes interest rates go up the cost of raw materials goes up so you have lots of challenges whilst developers are waiting for planning permission to come through everything changes and we just look at the last two three months with the revolving door at Downing Street and how much things have changed so having a delay in the planning process has a knock-on effect on what developers and investors want to do in the city, so it is a problem, and councils just need to—I um, don't know—improve. Oh, like <laughs> councils. You're I'm it's not even a here. planner. <laughs> but it, it needs—we we need to have a, a better, streamlined, um, efficient process.
1: Um, Claire, that political uncertainty that we've seen, um, it, uh, and now a sort of raft of economic issues um, for, for business to deal with. It, it, what's, the, what's the Savills House view on the macroeconomic outlook at the moment and how we might see that feeding through into, um, into the real
0: estate space?
4: Well, I think um, in terms of, sort of regional cities, um, they're in a really good, strong position. Um, it's the first time in any downturn that cities like Leeds are seeing rental growth on top mm. space. But for me, I don't think it's all about just looking at grade A top space, it's about thinking about those companies that are coming through, those startups, those entrepreneurs that you talked about. Um, It's looking at the talent from universities, um, and it's thinking about space for them as well. Um, I talk a lot about affordable workspaces, I've written a report with the BCO on that, Um, and it's very much that, you know, we've got, I know we were talking about it earlier, Brantford for example has lots of empty, vacant um, buildings. Why are we not using these for affordable workspaces, community spaces? you know, making these places more destinational. Um, and I think that way, you know, the universities are fabulous within Leeds and almost 20% of those that graduated last year went into the, the tech um, science industries within the city and they stayed within the city. So we've got to make sure that we've got the right kind of product mm. to actually facilitate this going forward.
1: Yeah. What was, um, how did you view Jeremy Hunt's autumn statement now the other week in terms of how it relates to quote-unquote, levelling up and, and supporting regional um, economies?
4: I think with levelling up, I, I've written quite a lot on levelling up, and I think it, it got to the point where things are changing so quickly that we don't really know where we stand. Mm. But I'd say that it's not just levelling up, it's powering up, and we don't have to just make Leeds level with other cities or with London. You know, it's making it level, it powers, powers, powering it up in terms of, you know, better, bigger, better, and also different. It doesn't have to follow the structure of, of other cities, you know. Healthcare is, is a massive one in Leeds you know let's push this let's make this um, something something special within the city um, let's, let's, you know I think that obviously from, from a government perspective we had the whole leveling up agenda you know and then governments change so that's put on hold or it's changed I think cities need to do it for themselves um, and essentially for their own their own part actually become um, powered up
1: Matt would you would you agree with that that notion of um if business can't necessarily rely on the government to the extent that it would like to, the private sector simply has to push ahead with these with these initiatives and drive them forward, drive them forward amongst themselves.
5: Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Good uh, morning, everyone. Um, yeah, no, I think that that's right. Um, but y- you have still got to get guidance, and you have still got to get investment from the government. Um, you know, my, my concern is that Leveling Up has become a bit of a, a political uh, byword that doesn't really uh, involve a great deal anymore. Um, you know, you've got to put your money where your mouth is and you know, particularly when you look at infrastructure and we'll talk around the sectors later but you know, infrastructure is still woefully lacking in the north of England there's a statistic that for example uh, in the south of England in London uh, uh, £419 per head more is spent on transport infrastructure than in the north of England now as you quite rightly say we may never be on level terms but you've got to put more in uh, to get more out uh, and particularly when you're looking to uh, attract, you know, new sectors, new businesses to an area. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, and obviously, you know, have we been having this conversation a, a year ago? I think, you know, and the, and the, the, the video at the start was brilliant. It, you know, it shows Leeds in all its glory. It's, it's very uplifting. It was, it was really good. But I think obviously everyone's now staring down the barrel of the macroeconomic situation and we can't ignore it. Uh, and therefore, perhaps the conversation we'll be having today will be slightly different to perhaps six months ago or a year ago. Um, and you know, yes, the private sector will do its bit, but it does need government support.
1: We had a, a question submitted from uh, Robin Holm at Tough In Faraby Taylor. He said, is, is the Northern Powerhouse resilient enough to survive any further government cutback and austerity? Uh, good
5: question. <laughs> 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 oh, I wish I knew the answer. Um, look, I, I think the answer is yes. Um, but there are also, I, I mean, one thing which which we may want to touch on later is, you know, how how we can, how we, we we look to to take the Northern Powerhouse forward, uh, or whether actually, for example, uh, there may be alternatives. So one that's been talked about in the past is the Leeds-Manchester arc. Mm. So actually, you know, almost having like super city status, pa- partnering up with Manchester. Um, so actually, what you end up doing is is working in conjunction. You're not competing for the same skills, the same people. and actually taking that forward and whether that would actually drive uh, the, the Northern Powerhouse itself. And I think Evan Davis did a programme a couple of years ago on that, which is quite interesting. And if anyone's not seen it, it was very good. I think particularly his suggestion that Hebden Bridge become the administrative capital, which I thought was excellent. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, so there's, there's a lot of ways There's a lot of ways to do it. It is just a question of, you know, which one is, you know, best suit Leeds. Can it continue to play its own furrow? Should it partner up? And how to do it? I think, they,
4: yeah, if I'm it right in that, I think it's, it's also... Um, housing proposition as well i think when we look at um the regional cities particularly leeds i think it's all about talent isn't it as well and having the companies are there to attract you know, the talent you've got to have the right housing um to actually you know keep the people within the, in the areas and, and have that work-life balance which i think has come out very strongly post-covid as well
1: and so uh, is does btr have a key role to play there as as was suggested yeah no i think
4: it definitely does and i think um that evening economy, the nighttime economy as well, mm. will be very much driven by people, young people living within city centres. Um, the whole thing, it's, you've got to look at it now as very much um, it's a holistic view rather than very much office, um, residential and um, retail. It's, it's, it's all very mixed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Can I
3: just add in <coughs> as course. well? Um, we've also got to think about devolution. We have a mayor and the mayor has pots of funding that needs to be tapped into and sometimes it's difficult for organisations or the private sector to actually know what the... Funding is, how to access it. What's about the West Yorkshire Combined Authority? So even though there may be heavy reliance on central government, mm. we as a region have access to business support, to some funding, and we need to make better use of that as well.
1: Yeah. Tory, to, to, to bring you in here, um, tell us tell us a little about the Innovation Village and the new hospitals that are being planned, and, and maybe then we can we can sort of move into the, the life sciences and tech space and all the opportunities for the city here.
6: Thank you, and again, I'm absolutely delighted to be here today to tell you about the Innovation Village. So we're at a really early stage in this, and you may have read about it, you may have heard about it previously, and, and as you probably know from the backdrop, I work for the NHS, so we're not property developers, we're not going to develop this ourselves, but what we are doing is we're building two new hospitals in Leeds. And. That means that we are going to generate um, a surplus estate of about 13 acres, which is going to be the innovation village, and our initial work that we've done on this suggests it's going to be about a million square feet, maybe, maybe more, depending, <laughs> depending, on, uh, depending on the, uh, you know, the planning situation. And the aspiration for that a million square feet is, yes, it's going to be mixed use. So that takes into account perhaps demand for housing, and whether that's built to rent or student, we can talk about that, or affordable or key worker housing. But, but the NHS and the partner organisations such as Leeds City Council, um, we really want this to be a legacy. And as the NHS, we're the landowners, we're going to be there for a while, we're going to have our new hospital next to it, and we want it to support the innovation aspirations for Leeds. So we're, um, and by innovation, I'm often asked, what do you mean by innovation? What does that mean in a development context? And by that, we're meaning, um, I suppose, office, or workspace, or it could be labs, but really something that that ties in with the entrepreneurialism of the the city, of the tech backdrop of Leeds, and that supports all the innovation that we're doing within within the hospitals ourselves. Um, Leeds uh, teaching hospitals trust you probably know is one of the largest teaching hospitals in the the UK we've got seven hospitals and we've set up an innovation pop-up where we're trying to um, work with businesses that want to come up with ideas to improve um, how we provide care to the NHS so it's a hugely exciting time Um, again very early days but um, yeah really exciting to be here today to tell you about the innovation village
2: can I just set that in a wider context as well? Because we've been working together probably since about 2017. So um, if I take you back pre-pandemic, if anybody has that memory still left in them, um, Leeds participated with MIT on what's called their Regional Entrepreneurs Accelerator Programme. So we were on a global cohort. We were the only city um, in the okay, UK, uh, apart from London, who has been through this programme where we were partnered with Sydney, Monterey, Kentucky, the Denmark cities, I think Hangzhou, and uh, we went through this 18 month period of learning from each other supported by MIT. And the one thing that, well, a couple of things it taught us is, firstly, <clears throat> when we were chatting to our colleagues in Kentucky, they were like, so tell us you know, what's going on in Leeds, and we're like, well, we have London, it's 200 miles away, and they were like, London's 200 miles away? Some of our outer cities are 200 miles away. You know, London is a massive engine that you need to be working with. Secondly, it taught us what we wanted to be focused on. And we wanted to be focused on entrepreneurism that was the most diverse and had the most reach for society's problems. So not just growth for growth's sake, but growth for for good and good for good society. It also focused us on um, a really important time when um, we had the Channel 4 pitch and I can't tell you the amount of people who took all the people who were a part of that pitch to one side and said, don't be too disappointed when you don't win, and then we did, and we did, and we found out we did, probably about three minutes before Twitter did, but in that three minutes, Tom Reardon, um, Roger Marsh, and the rep cohort were all in Boston at MIT, and they had a phone call, they came back into the room, the room was like brilliant, and our Chinese partner city said, We'd never heard of Leeds before, but Channel 4 comes into our room every day. And that was significant for Leeds. And why I'm saying it is we've had lots of Channel 4 moments since Channel 4. We've had the Bank of England, we've had the UK Infrastructure Bank, we've had iWalker, we've had Cognizant. You know, we've had all this inward investment activity that's almost gone under the radar. And that pipeline, I mean, I've got colleagues from the left here, that pipeline for Leeds has not dropped off. And it's not dropped off because of the quality of life, it's cost proposition, it's talent. We've got 10 universities in the city region, six of them are in Leeds. You know, there's 70,000 students in the city centre, and we're really proud of being an international you know, centre for education, but education for everyone. We've got all the leading teaching um, universities as well. And I say this, because what Victoria Tory, give her a Sunday name, is talking about, is just one part of what is our innovation arc. Mm. So we're out at consultation at the minute for 125 hectares of of an SPD, where the Innovation Arc is just one of five neighborhoods. It's also about our Russell Group University, our leading teaching regional university. It's also about how the British Library North, Leeds is already home to the British Library. 70% of the national collections is in Leeds, in an LS postcode, but it's not really accessible to the population of the North. And working with British Library in the Innovation Arc They will hopefully um, restore Temple Mills, which is one of our Grade 1 listed at-risk structures, and return that to being not just a library, but an innovation centre for our people, for good. And that's just one of that network about about how Leeds, and the city region, and Bradford, because we're all in it, there's three million in the city region, it's not just about the population of Leeds, but how we're all working together to make sure we are greater than the sum of our parts.
1: uh, So, where does the arc, the innovation arc, where does that span? What are some of the other opportunities that real estate will find? So, you've
2: got the University of Leeds, which is reimagining its campus. I mean, how how we deliver teaching has radically changed, hasn't it? And it's not it's it's just accelerated that change. So, the Leeds University, it's got MEPC, sits right in the middle of the arc. We're into the South Bank with the CEG portfolio. We're into British Library North, and spanning all the way through to Cadic site. So there is a huge wave of opportunity and, and what the city's really focused on is that Yang Gel proposition of the spaces between buildings where we restitch the city together so it's a much more legible proposition, but importantly reweave our neighbourhoods into it. So we used to talk about South Bank being the largest, it bores me now the largest regeneration proposition in Europe. To be quite honest, that really does it a disservice now. It's about restitching that network of neighbourhoods that Mm. comprise our city centre back together. So Hunslet, the Beeston, you know, Bastint will finish the city park next year. We're in a real wave of momentum that hopefully can see us through whatever period we are in. We just don't know what that period is yet.
1: We had um, a a question submitted from Chris Hartnell at Carter Jonas. about the life sciences opportunity for, for Leeds in the city region. Um, Chris asks, to what extent can the redevelopment of the LGI enable Leeds to establish a credible world-leading life science cluster? Investment and occupier requirements still tend to focus on the golden triangle, so is it even possible to attract the necessary momentum when both Manchester and Newcastle have better established life science offerings? And he cites Bruntwoods, um, City Labs, Alderley Park, and the Catalyst in, in Newcastle as examples of, of what those cities can offer. What what's the um, what is the hope for life sciences as an opportunity for Leeds? pinned on?
4: Can I say? Um, <laughs> I, <sorry. laughs> no, I'm just going to say we always think about wet labs, and I don't. And I think we need to move away from that. It doesn't have to be about wet labs. You know, health is massive in Leeds, um, and obviously the NHS. So it's like grab this, grab it, grab that, and run with it. You know, there's 70 billion being put into health last year. Um, venture capital. So, you know, this is a sector to, to in my mind, to run with in Leeds.
1: Grab it and run with yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sorry, Tori. I
4: was just going to say, sorry. I, I,
6: I echo those thoughts, um, of, of obviously, I suppose, sat in this seat and with my job title. Um, but in this role, I've had the opportunity to go and visit successful, uh, I suppose, life sciences hubs across the UK. So Nexus, Helix in, in, uh, sorry, Helix in Newcastle, and um, City Labs and and Manchester and their their new development of ID uh, and Liverpool Firstly, I'd say it was really interesting to experience a lot of cooperation from fellow, you know, regional cities, and a lot of support in terms of lessons learned from those other developments. Because the, the general thinking is that UK PLC is really well placed to deliver on life sciences, and that is, as, as you probably know, a wide variety of, of items. So it could be labs, um, it could be, uh, but it also could be digital health and some of the links in digital health or healthcare. really well focused on within within the Leeds City region so that 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 plays again to our strengths and as you as you probably know in this room Leeds isn't uh, it isn't new for Leeds there's already a number I mean Angela might have the stats I'm afraid I don't have them to hand but there's an awful lot of 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 healthcare businesses already already in Leeds Um, Nexus I think something like 60% of their businesses and occupiers are in the health tech sector um, there's also the core letting. Is that about 85,000 square feet of, of, of you know of new build labs within Leeds City Centre? So I think my view is that, that, that there's enough uh, there's enough demand out there. I think to, to allow Leeds to step up and benefit from that, particularly given that we've talked about today. It's um, you know the links with the universities, and hopefully, um, although selfishly, with, with perhaps a million square feet of Innovation Village coming forward and about five acres of that could be new build because one of the things that I've learned from uh, perhaps other developments is the importance of being able to build you know, to, to what Occupy is like and having that sort of oven ready. So having, having the backdrop of, uh, of Angela's SPD to support the, the aspiration means that I really think that, that Leeds is well placed for this, um, for this opportunity.
2: And can I just add, to it's really important that we don't talk ourselves like it isn't already here. I mean, Leeds University and Leeds LTHT are leading for wound care you know they're leading for AI you know we are the home of the NHS you know um, NHS spine which is the digital platform the NHS use was built in Leeds over a decade there are more, tra- more transactions that go through NHS spine per second than MasterCard all built out of here so we've got to be really mindful that what we don't say is oh actually Leeds doesn't have it already it does. I mean, LabCorp and their investment in the South Bank about the Leeds Clinic is world-leading. You know, they're talking to IT all the time about what's next. You know, the pharmacy fit-out alone is multi-millions of pounds, and it's here right, right in the heart of the city centre, and it's come off the campus of the University of Leeds. So we're already, we already have that sector. It's, there. Yeah. it's about that curation, so it's easier for people to see that visibility of it.
5: Just as a, a postscript to that as well, I mean, uh, you know, hearing about the life sciences sectors and, and actually how much is already here is, 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 is you know, exciting. Uh, I think what really came across in the video uh, uh, and, you know, is the thing that Leeds has got, you know, is, is the breadth of sectors. That's the thing that's, that's, that's stood in such good stead, you know, historically. You know, we talked about financial banking. But actually, just here in this room, this is a great example. Leeds very much leads the way in professional services. You know, disproportionate to other cities. You look at, you know, accountancy, surveying practices, law firms. You know, it's it's got such a great, broad, and growing offering. And some of the examples that Angela gave earlier around you know, media, uh, digital, etc. As well, just add to that. So, yeah.
1: um, any questions from the floor? Our Slido screen here has got tumbleweeds blowing across it, but um, as I said, we do have we do have a microphone. If anyone would like to um, to put anything to the panel. Could we, do you need a microphone or are you going to yell? Well, you yeah. can do either.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 it's an HS2 related question, because the about this a lot. Do you think the government's U-turn on delivering the final section of HS2 between Manchester and Leeds is damaging to the city? And have we got a positive spin on that, especially from outside investors' point
4: of view? Do
2: you want me to take that?
1: <laughs> Go for
2: it. Um, have they U-turned? I don't know. So on Is the, well, the 17th of November 2021, I've spent five years on this, um, so I remember it not fondly, um, the Integrated Rail Plan was delivered, and in it, it says there's £100 million um, to do a study about how best to get high-speed rail from the East Midlands to Leeds via Sheffield. That report, that terms of reference for that report have not yet come into the public domain or into our domain. So we've not started that study, so have they U-turned? We don't know. What do we know is that in October 2021, we had 112% of passengers in Leeds Railway Station than October 19. And you've all experienced it. Have you got the same service pattern? No. Have you got the same predictability? No. But 12% more people were using the trains than they were in October 19. So that demand is there and it's been suppressed by the provision of what's available. Now at Leeds, about two years ago, we released a transport strategy which was pivoting away from, um, we were called the motorway city, we're not proud of it now. Um, And it was about pivoting away from um, car use. And with that, there was a 10% growth in rail that we're seeing, by the way. But because that infrastructure has been delayed or paused, what we're getting is that impact of when we do things like closing city square and you can imagine the lead in time to doing these things. These are years, they're not months. So when we come to a position where we've closed city square and then we don't have the same transport, public transport infrastructure that we aren't in control of, it's really difficult for us. But if we went back to, do you remember when we used to have buses in Brigitte? Does anybody want to go back to those days? We've moved on, haven't we? So as a city, we still need to move on from the car. But we need our heavy rail. We also need mass transit. And if, if you talk about the positive spin, well, the government have to own this, don't they? They are the heavy rail, the Department of Transport provider. And we will keep making them accountable for saying, when will these terms of reference come out and when can we move forward? But in 2018, not to bring it, I'm definitely not a planner, but not to bring it back to planning, this South Bank SPD was adopted to make sure that we could give our investment colleagues and our development partners confidence that the city could grow around major infrastructure plans, and it has. You know, we've got more cranes on the skyline than ever before, and we just really need to keep that going. So what I know is we're still using the train station. We're on site with the first phase of the master plan, which we're delivering with partners at WICA on network rail property. We're about to go through, the business case um, for the next wave of investment into the existing train station, and we will keep pushing for the
4: rail provision that the city region needs and deserves. Can I say on that? Um, lots of the research that, that I've done, especially post COVID, is that transport issues is one of the most damaging um, ways of you know, stopping people coming back into city centres post COVID. We're trying to get people yeah. back into these collaborative spaces, you know, Wellington Place, um, great example within Leeds, you know. Um, Places where you want to be, evening and night, you know, um, day and night. But actually, if your transport isn't working, then that's a massive barrier already. So this has to be looked at to actually get people back in to see the, you know to these great places, to these co- connect, you know collaborative places. You know, it needs to be a first point of entry into centre. So it's you know, it's crucial. Yeah. You know. uh,
5: and just to, just to add, a, I mean, it, 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 I think the answer to the question as well is it would perhaps be less important if the if we had, as Angela says, if we had the confirmation of the investment in the infrastructure coming down the line. If you say, well, we're not doing that just too, but, you know, and you only have to look yesterday at the Northern Powers Partnership criticising the government for the state of the, the infrastructure and train links in it, across the north of England. And the government's response was fairly typical, well, we're investing billions. Well, are you and where? Because at the moment, anyone who travels on the train on a regular basis will tell you, you know, the service is shocking. And it's not also just about infrastructure as well, you know. I mean, one of the things that the Northern Powers Partnership highlighted yesterday was just an issue with the number of train drivers at the moment. And, uh, and that's something that the government just sort of, you know, it, I say a standard response is we're spending a lot of money. Well, is it in the right place? Is it in the right direction? Mm.
3: Can I just put in as well? Of course. Um, you've got to look at Bradford, at least. Leeds has a through station, we have been literally begging for a through station for decades, and we're getting one, we're not, we are, we're not, and when you talk about unlocking potential and having substantial investment in a city, how can you do that if you don't even have a through station, and we promised one, and then there are so many U-turns, but something like that can really, really power up um, Bradford as a city, and then contribute to, to Leeds city region, which is a massive problem for, for Bradford City.
1: Yeah. Um, An interesting question here on Slido. Thank goodness Slido is working. Um, My eyesight's uh, almost good enough to... to, uh, Mine's (laughs) not. This is from Sean Fielding. Thank you, Sean. If fewer people travel to the city centre because they now work from home, how do we ensure that their disposable income powers regen in West Yorkshire towns and villages and isn't lost? I don't know if any of you have got any any stats. I guess just to kick that bit of the conversation off around what leads are seen in terms of um, in terms of footfall recovering in terms of uh, office occupancy.
4: I'd say on that one, um, I talked quite a lot about the sort of suburban shift early on in the pandemic, um, which I don't think has happened to the degree that we maybe thought it would. But I think there's definitely a. Um, you know, we talk about working from home, working in the office. I think there's that middle ground of, you know, that sort of third space of, of cafes and working in our local areas. And I think that that is um, huge now. And I think, I don't, I don't know where you all live, but, you know, where I live, it's um, so much busier within in the day now, um, weekdays. And that's putting money into um, local areas. But you have to get the local area right to actually, for people to, for people to want to be there. And that's where, if you've got vacant shops that like we we're talking about, Bradford, it's actually reimagining those and using them for um, the good, whether it be co-working spaces or affordable spaces.
3: Can I just add in, we were just uh, talking, when we were talking about this earlier on, I was saying that um, as an employer, I I like my staff working from home, and they're all dotted around um, the region. But um, from a business point of view, we have so many empty shops in Bradford City Centre. There is less footfall now than there was um, pre-pandemic, and that is having another massive knock on the, the local economy. And one of the issues that we looked at was how do we actually get people back into work? So there's talk about hybrid working. And then what you've also got to look at uh, is young people. Young people do not like coming to the office. They, they want to work from home. They, they will now start to apply for jobs where they have the flexibility of working from home. So if we have a young generation who want to work from home, who don't, who don't think a nine to five at the desk is for them because the, the way we work is changing, then how are we going to introduce um, income into the city from bars, restaurants, hotels, cafes, you know, all that is going to die away. So we've got to think of a strategy where we can bring people back, but also um, older people back into into the city and and back at their desks, and then not to go on about the council again. But you know, sometimes when we're emailing um, people like the local authorities, you might email, you may not get a response back that day or that week or the week after and more often than not, the excuse is, well, that person's working from home. But we can't use that as an excuse um, for lack of efficiency. So it's, it's a challenge, it's been identified as a challenge, and how we're we going to get around that, bearing in mind we have new ways of working as well.
1: From your conversations with your colleagues, do you get an idea of what it would take for people to want to come back and work in the office? I mean, Paul at MEPC in the video was talking about trying to make Wellington Place somewhere that people want to come as an office rather than feel that they're obliged to, to come. What You say that you're happy for your staff to work at home. Yeah. Clearly, they're, they're happy with that flexibility as well. What would encourage them, do you think, from conversations to, to come back in? Is it the um, workplace? Is it the practices within there?
3: I, I think um, the, the local offering has to be a lot better, like you said. There has to be some attra- attraction. So, trying to get young people back into the city where, where do they go at lunchtime um, i have young people working for me who do come into the office and they, they eat lunch at the desk yeah. they don't meet friends to go out they, they don't go to a local cafe so the offering has to be right I, I guess also the cost of coming into work is a factor they'd rather spend an hour working from home than having to travel in somewhere so there's there's lots of different factors um, where we, we need to think about how we're going to entice young people and older people back yeah. into the office um, there's, you can't replace the office banter and you know that kind of thing so for young people they're missing out on that because they're sat at their kitchen desk working in an, in an isolated manner and, and they're missing all of that and all the social skills that go with it as well so I think we really need to get our thinking hats on and, and think how do we entice them back into the city
4: I think it's, it's, it's definitely about community and culture mm. um, because it's not just about that empty box office anymore, it's about the green spaces, as you were talking about weaving in, um, you know, Wellington Place is a great example, I mean, was at Dean Clough yesterday in Halifax, and you know, that's a great example of a destination and where communities working together, um, and I think it's, it's all about this, it's, it's um, because people generally, human beings want to be part of something, don't they, part of a community. Mm.
5: And it's, it's a cultural <coughs> thing as well, you quite rightly said, that, really, it's, it's incumbent on employers in the city, in the region, to want to create that culture. For, for to get the esprit de corps, to get the people into the office in the first place, as well as the great offices. But it's also as, highlight, as highlighted on the video as well. You know, it's important as well that you have, you know, destinations as well. You know, whether it's drift carting at the Merion Centre, good restaurants to make people, particularly younger people, because they're the people with more disposable income, or previously they had more disposable income. But also, that you know, they create a vibrancy in a city. So it's, you know, all those things go together. There's a whole, basically, there's a whole mix of things.
2: And that's no different, whether it's in an office or it's in a city, is it? I mean, uh, the University of Leeds have just, I think they've just published the um, Future of Work, um, a national study that they've done, which was about initially adapting offices, but goes into social networks, the culture, and, and how we create places that people want to come back to. I think we could all agree nobody wants to go back to 2019. I know I don't, but actually I think it's great that people have choice. I mean we've not seen uh, you know the excuse of I'm sorry I'm working for how we can't we can't respond actually our productivity is is actually improved and if you look at the University of Leeds research they've actually seen more return in the public sector than you have in the private sector so I I imagine there are variations along that but I have not witnessed that and then if I think about what we've been doing in the city to make sure that when people coming in They're actually staying longer. So, we had our highest footfall on Brigitte last two weeks, last Saturday, than 2019. People are back. And it is about that. I'm not just coming in for a meeting. I'm coming in because I'm going to do what we used to call linked trips. But now, you know, I might stay and go to the cinema. I might Mm. meet a friend. You know, we've got our International Year of Culture next year. You know, Leeds 2023 will hand over the baton to Bradford for Bradford 25. Yeah. This is about creating places people want to do. And Bradford were phenomenal about that. In the last recession, they invested in the mirror pool. I have never seen a delight on anybody's face as when they opened that on that really hot day in March. And you had the whole community of Bradford coming to enjoy that place together. You know, it's really important that working from home doesn't get mainstreamed into that's all we do. You know, there's a really great line in the American (coughs) office, which is about, we come to work to share the same carpet. In a world full of algorithms, coming back together means that you might meet people who disagree with you, and that might reinforce your view. So coming back together and having places that are diverse in their thought and diverse in their population can only be a really resilient thing.
1: Tori, you wanted to jump in. So. Yeah,
2: I was just going to add as well that uh, from my uh, grand tour
6: of successful innovation and um, developments across the UK, it's really clear that the collaboration space, or those—I don't know whether it's acceptable to say the water cooler moments—but that integration with, um, you know, with with um, with people with ideas um, is really key to the success and obviously uh, the entrepreneurialism and setting up small businesses. And quite a lot of the developments that I've seen have particularly been designed. To allow, um, I suppose, more, more integration or more collaboration with people. So rather than necessarily um, segregating accesses and entrances, they want to focus and almost funnel people together to allow people to network and make connections. So for that to work, um, we, we, you know, we, need, we need to make sure that we're, we're designing that and we need to make sure that there is the draw to allow that sort of natural um,
4: innovation to be encouraged. We had a great phrase I heard um, talk about water cooler moments. Great phrase I heard during the um, lockdown is that we're missing out on those moments of delight that we find when we're um, with people, and I think that's a really nice way of sort of summing up that being together. Yeah.
1: Um, I was hoping to jump back to um, to something you said, Angela, about uh, Channel 4 moments since Channel 4's move that you thought maybe had gone under the radar? And I was happy to note that I think EG covered all of these. But (laughs) if if there is a perception that there have been Channel 4-esque moments for the the city and the city region that have gone under the radar, is there a suggestion there that that Leeds and Bradford and and the wider region need to become better at shouting about successes um, like that? I mean, Channel 4 was seen as, as as you say, quite rightly as huge news. Was there a feeling though that some wins sense didn 't get the attention that maybe they deserved
2: um, i don 't think it 's about the attention they deserved i think we 've all got to give ourselves a bit of a break we 've been through a pandemic you know we 've done well just to survive and still be turning up to work so <laughs> and in in that whole time, you know the Bank of england uh, the u k infrastructure bank the FAC cognizant, the link group. Uh, Gosh, who, who have I missed? Um, Labcorp, you know, we've had a really strong investment pipeline and lead City Region, you know, so with Wakefield, with Halifax, what has been played back to me is when we shout about something, it's because it's a world class moment. So people sit up and take notice, what we don't do is shout about everything. I don't really think we probably need to. but what we do need to do is make it really visible for people who are looking in at the city not to say is there going to be a life sciences sector and actually be able to say there's already a really thriving life sciences sector how do we go further and how do we go further with our partners because we do work with the manchester science parks we do work with newcastle we do partner across the northern powerhouse and that question you asked about is the northern powerhouse resilient We've got to think the Northern Powerhouse isn't an entity. It's 12 million people who have no choice but been resilient. <coughs> and our absolute commitment to them is make sure they've got the right tools that they can be.
5: And I, guess, I guess purely from a, a, a media PR perspective, Channel 4 was a lot sexier product than the Infrastructure Bank. You know, people are
2: I'm sure that
5: it's just as important that uh, you know, people generally would want hey, to read about that point.
2: There was a national... <laughs> competition wasn't they? Yes. And I don't think we were seen as the front runner. So when it was Leeds and Leeds because it had the evidence base where it was going to be strong. And I'm really delighted that we've got people in the audience here who are benefiting from the the sparks entrepreneur investment that's going out through the city region that somebody's put. So I remember going down on on the train for the final Channel 4 pitch sat between the chief (laughs) exec of Bradford and the chief exec of Leeds and it was a city-region win, which is why we've done things like the Bronte skills development, and we wouldn't have got that on our own. But economic geographies don't work on an administrative boundary, do they?
1: I think you referenced that, that question there. I've now managed to get slido slide off on my tablet, so I don't have to squint at the, uh, at the screen down there. But uh, Yasin Mohammed at Wide Property um, says, Leeds can be proud of its successes, but... How does Leeds champion projects that are stuck elsewhere in West Yorkshire, like NPR and Bradford? Part of Channel 4 coming to LS1 was down to West Yorkshire. Is, is there a question there about how Leeds then looks back out and helps to champion other
2: I think other internally between Leeds and Bradford, we have a discussion that nobody else cares about. You know, as in, you know, Leeds and Bradford have the highest commuter flows of any cities in the UK. They're not all one way. And If you think about moments like when PwC opened their office in Bradford, and they went to get that apprenticeship program up and running through their audit provision, etc., what they found was hugely talented, you know, MBA graduates coming because they wanted to work in Bradford, and we've just not had those moments yet. But they are building. Uh, I think we do work collectively. I mean, when I talk on a panel, I don't. If I'm talking about culture, I would always talk about the production park in Wakefield. Why wouldn't we? Um, And I know that when the mayor talks, she talks at a West Yorkshire level, as does my chief exec. As I imagine anybody in this room goes out and talks, doesn't talk about the ward or the geography of the boundary that they are dealing with. But I think locally, we still think this tension between Bradford wants to be better than Leeds. Brilliant. (laughs) You know, that's fine, because we'll go further together, won't we?
1: Um, a question from uh, Atam Verdi, uh, apologies if, if uh, I haven't pronounced that correctly, about devolution. Is it, is it an opportunity? And if so, what one ask would you have for the city region mayor? <coughs> Go on, you're going to jump in.
3: It's, it's a fantastic opportunity. I don't think it's been realised yet. There's ambition there the mayor has been in position for 18 months. I think she has another 18 months to go before she's up for elections again, Mm. which means, um, you know, does she concentrate on delivering or is she now going to concentrate on um, being re-elected? There's still some confusion about what the mayor's office does and I think it's... um, It's... It's difficult for businesses to be able to... um, access pots where we're not clear on what's what is going to be delivered i mean every time i go to um, a talk we have pots of funding for this this and this and then somebody else will say well actually we've got that but it's not for this so we have pots of funding for Bradford. It's been identified as um, the region that needs levelling up, but there are pots of funding for SMEs, for the BAME communities, for female entrepreneurs. And I don't think we've actually realised that. So, yes, there is ambition. There is pots of funding there. But I haven't seen that being realised to its full potential, and, and there is potential there.
5: Well, one, of my, one of my slight concerns, and, and this is going to be a problem for, for any mayor uh, in the north of England over the next 18 months, is you know, is the political game. You know, you've got, obviously, 18 months of the next election. We've got the prospect of a, a long and shallow recession. And the truth of the matter is that the north of England, uh, you know, cities, cities are, are mainly Labour strongholds. And, you know, the Conservative central government, um, it, the truth of the matter is they're going to look at ways to try and shore up areas where potentially they're going to get votes in 18 months' time and therefore I think set against that backdrop. And no one wants to talk about it, but the truth of the matter is, you know, when you're a Labour mayor and you're going to central government for funding, it is difficult when it's a
1: party of a different hue. Any other thoughts on that as an opportunity?
2: I think for inward Investment having that mayor and that focal point has been really helpful. Yeah. Um, and it's nice not to be talking about will Leeds, uh, you know, City Region, West George Combined Authority have a mayor. You know, it's nice to be on the other side of that. I mean, uh, the mayor was out with the delegation for life sciences in uh, Scandinavia only a couple of weeks ago. Um, because what Leeds City Region is really good at is scale up. So before some of these businesses then hit North America, they need somewhere, you know, that allows them to to be, I suppose, North America ready. And the interest we've got there through, Victoria calls it a pop-up, it's a really credible life sciences sector where LTHT are working with your counterparts in Norway, in Israel, and with, I think it's the Boston cluster already, and having that focal point has been really helpful.
4: I think from a, um, the mayor point of view, I think that hopefully one of the things that it will do going forward is speed things up, and you'd hope that's that, what that that would that happen. That would be the idea. Um, I mean, hearing you guys speak that That not necessarily happening yet, but I think that 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 should be the end goal. And on the the question of um, what would I want the mayor to do, I think the use of meanwhile space um, would be a great addition to Leeds as well. And you talk about pop ups, I know it's not absolutely a pop up, but pop ups in the sense of you know around the city and using again talking about that vacant space, using it for a purpose to get people back in and um, really utilize that underused space.
1: Excellent. We've got about 10 minutes to go. I had a, a final question. Actually, uh, I had a final question. I've stolen it from the pre-submission list because I thought it was so good. Um, any other questions from the floor, though, just as we, as, as we draw to a close? Then I'm, gonna, I'm going to leap in with a question I've stolen from Andrew Dexter in that West. Andrew, if you're here, I, um, I owe you one. But uh, Andrew asked, what are three things? Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you each for three. But he asked, what are three things that you would like to see from government to accelerate leveling up across the north and in our key cities? And I was going to ask, um, just to end the conversation today, for, for one thing from each of you, rather than, rather than the three, that you would like from the government, uh, if, if the northern powerhouse is to prove its resilience, if leveling up is, is to work, as we've said, whatever, whatever that means for, um, under the current Secretary of State. Um, Claire, I wonder if we could start with you and then. Yes. Yeah. Sort of um,
4: well, there's a number of things. Um, but I, I think it'd have to be transport money for into transport, just to think. I, I, we look a lot at drive times, and and for me, talent is essential um, to get companies um, within the city and to keep people within the city. So you look at drive time, say an hour drive time. It isn't reaching that talent pool at the moment that it could do if the if the um, transport infrastructure was how you know. At, at, at the best it could be. So I think from a talent perspective, from getting people back into the office, from connecting the north with the south, connecting Manchester and Leeds, whatever it may be, there needs to be a real push on <coughs> infrastructure. Excellent,
3: <Thank> <coughs> uh, for, for me, um, a more investment in skills. We need to upskill our people. Um, in a city like Bradford, for example, we have such a young population, and we also have lots of ethnic minority businesses. And these businesses have been traditionally um, family-run businesses who have the potential um, from upskilling and um, better infrastructure to churn out not 25 billion towards the, towards the economy, but 100 billion. There was um, an At West report um, done recently where they identified that ethnic minority businesses are, are performing but could be performing much, much better. And if we upskilled that group of, of people, then we can you know, instantly increase our economy. So for me, it's, um, it's skills, it's upskilling, but also infrastructure as well.
2: I've got three, but only because <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot JP Morgan. <laughs> who forgets JP Morgan? So they've opened recently in Leeds as well. Um, I'd echo your comment, Claire, about certainty on transport, because it just has such a long lead in. Any uncertainty means any integrated plans then aren't integrated. Um, And then just to really build on everything and and something slightly different, retrofit. I think as a city that wants to be net zero by 2030, we've got a huge housing stock issue Mm. that isn't just about Leeds. It's certainly about the North, but is actually about the country. And unless we really tackle that at a national level, not only are we not gonna have our energy security, but actually if we're thinking about our inclusive growth, Making sure that people have access to good quality housing has to be our number one priority and the health benefits, the productivity benefits, the inclusion benefits that spin out of that are just phenomenal.
1: So is it greater guidance from the government that you would want to see?
2: I think it's about a proper pilot programme which is testing technology at scale. So we have the Yorkshire. We're the, we were the first reason to have our own Yorkshire Climate Commission led by um, Professor Andy Gouldson who now sits on part of the UK Infrastructure Advisory Board. And the Leeds PLC spends about two billion pounds per annum on energy. And their assessment is we could probably spend a billion pound just by putting in the measures that are already in place. And so in terms of pivoting that one billion pounds, we could be spending that elsewhere. So, I think a real pilot, but at scale, and proving technology is something that can only really be driven centrally. Excellent. Okay.
0: Tori. Um,
6: I- I think the um, revitalised investment zones might be a really good opportunity for the Leeds City Region. Selfishly, obviously, for the Innovation Village, in terms of uh, recognising the partnerships with universities and learning lessons from other successful sites, that um, you know assistance from the public sector to uh, to start um, you know a, a sort of a million square feet of development would be very helpful. So, although we don't know um, the timescales for this or what the criteria would be, I'd like to think that. Um, the Innovation Village is supported by the Innovation Art will be a really great candidate
1: for that to really blossom. Excellent, and final word.
5: Yeah I, 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 I risk of repeating what's been said already. Um, look, you know, we That's at Shoe- always the risk of being. Absolutely, repeated. exactly. There's nothing better than taking someone else's point. And, uh, look, we at Shoesmith, sitting in Leeds Office do an awful lot in the living sector, so we do student accommodation, house building, BTR, uh, through to retirement uh, homes, and as can be seen from the video earlier, and as has been said today, this is a fabulous place where people want to live and work. Therefore, what do we need? We need money into the infrastructure so they can get here and move around when they're here.
1: Well, Matt, at the beginning of this, you said we've got a lot of ground to cover in just over an hour, but I think we I think we gave it a good we've given, we've it, a given a good it a good shot, a whistle stop <laughs> tour of it all. Um, that's about all we've got. We've got time for. So, um, look again. Thank you all for. Um, for joining us today. I'm very happy um, that uh, Savills and Wellington Place and Chew Smith's could support today's event, and of course, very happy to have been joined by such fantastic panelists on stage. So, if you could all show your appreciation for them. Um, thank you. <laughs>